again today. Uh, welcome. We're glad you're here. If you joined us late, I'm just going to mention, uh, welcome. We're glad you're here. We're glad you all are here today. Welcome. Uh, if you want to get more information about the church, if you'd like to connect with us and you have your cell phone, you can text the letters EPCC to the phone number 94000. Uh, we'll be able to contact you that way with some emails. Uh, you'll get a follow-up card that you can fill out digitally because we're not doing pens and papers and all that kind of stuff. So uh, you can fill that out on your phone. Uh, we'll get your email address. We'll get your phone number. And that way we'll be able to correspond with you and send you information about things that are upcoming. We would love to be able to do that. And we're glad you're here. So take a look uh, at our memory verse that we've been talking about. Philippians 4. Uh, six and seven, uh, do not be anxious about in anything, but in everything by prayer uh, and petition with thanksgiving, make your request known to God. It's important for us when we're stressed, when we're worried, uh, when we have anxiety, that we make our request known directly to God. Because of the second part of this verse, it says when we do that, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard our hearts in our minds in Christ Jesus. And I don't know about you, who needs guarding in their hearts and their minds in today's world? I, I, I know I do. We need guarding in our hearts and our minds. So when we're anxious, when we're filled with anxiety, uh, when we're filled with fear, we sang the song about do not fear. Uh, when, when those things are going on in our life, the Lord will carry us through them if we allow him to. We can try to carry it all ourselves. Anybody ever tried that? You've tried to carry it all yourself? Um, I've tried that before. We it, it, it can work for a little bit, maybe a little while, uh, but eventually you get sad, you get depressed, you get fearful, you, you, you're riddled with anxiety, you find you can't sleep at night, uh, and you're sleepy in the daytime. It's like, a, it's like a paradox. Can't sleep at night and all day you're tired. Um, when you're feeling like that, that's stress, that's anxiety. Um, I read something this week said that the best three things you can do uh, in your life is get enough rest, and as Americans, we're chronically underrested. Eat healthy diets. Uh, and I don't know, anybody in here eating a healthy diet? <laughs> anybody in here eating an unhealthy diet? There, yeah. Kevin points at, De- at Debbie. We have one. <laughs> we have one healthy. healthy <laughs> uh, and the last thing is reduce stress. Um, there are worldly ways to reduce stress. Um, there are a lot of things that you can do to reduce stress from a worldly perspective. But God's... Uh, God's method of stress reduction is the easiest. And that is just go to him in prayer and say, here's all my stuff. Here's all my anxieties. Here's all my worries. And it says that he will take those from us and he will guard our hearts and our minds in the name of Jesus Christ. So we're talking about uh, the fifth part of our series this morning and we're gonna be looking uh, at a couple different places. First in Matthew, if you'll flip over there. First book in the New Testament is about three-fourths of the way through the Bible. Matthew, the very end, 28, uh, 19 and 20. We're talking about following uh, Christ. That's our series concept here where Jesus says, come, follow me. Uh, we've talked about prayer. We've talked about reading scripture. Uh, we've talked about fellowship. Uh, today, we are talking about witnessing, and that is bearing witness to Christ to the world. So we're going to talk about a couple of different scriptures uh, and a couple of different ideas, and this is also kind of leading into our next series, which starts in just two weeks, which I'm really excited about, but we'll get to that in a minute. So again, today's model, today's uh, pattern for the message is going to follow that same idea we did last week. There's a command, there's a model, and there's a measure or a metric, a way to, to, to judge how we're doing. So first, the command. 
uh, verse uh, 19, starting in Matthew 28, says, Go therefore make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all I have commanded you. Behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. That's the command uh, to be bearers of the good news. Take the good news of Jesus Christ. It was one of the last things. Jesus sat down with his 12, uh, which was actually 11 at that point because Judas had gone and uh, they hadn't replaced him yet. So he sat down with the, the last 11 disciples and he shared with them what their purpose was and what their goal would be. That's the command, the model we find in John. Uh, we're going to spend a little bit of time in John. You might even could stick a finger in there today. We're going to dance around John 15 quite a bit. So if you'll turn to John 15, I'm going to read uh, verse 4. Jesus says, Abide in me and I in you. A branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. And you notice we sang a song today, right? If you abide in me. And some of you are like, I love that song. I know Alicia, she loved it so much. Um, and it's not out on the internet anywhere. And the, the church that wrote it and sang it doesn't even have it available. So what I did a couple weeks ago is I lifted a copy of our video of us singing it, recorded it, and gave it to Alicia. So did it, did it work? She's so happy. <laughs> so if you love that song and you want to hear it sometime, just let me know. I can send you a, a copy of, uh, of a version that we sang here in the church. But I love that song. But that word abide is kind of an old-fashioned word, isn't it? And so you hear the word abide in Christ and you're like, maybe your eyes gloss over a little bit because like, I don't know what that means. It just means to stay connected. When you abide with something, when you abide with Christ, it means you stay connected with Christ. So in essence, if we substitute the word connect, it says we, we could read it this way. Stay connected to me and I to you. As a branch cannot bear fruit unless it is connected to the vine, neither can you unless you are connected to me. So God's imperative through Christ here is to stay connected with Christ. That's not just come to church on Sunday and the rest of the week is great. Check the, the spiritual duties box and I'm good. Uh, it's a day-by-day, hour-by-hour, moment-by-moment, lifetime commitment to stay connected with Christ. When Jesus is saying stay connected with me, he, he literally means in the way a branch is connected to a vine. Um, a couple weeks ago, we had the big storm, the derecho, uh, and it blew down a bunch of branches on the, tree, on, on the trees all over houses and cars and everything. Anybody have tree damage? <laughs> Come on, I, I don't see any hands. Nobody? We had tons of tree damage. You guys have any damage? No, no damage? You had some damage. Okay, well, we had trees down everywhere. You know what happened to all those branches? They just kept growing right there on the ground. No, right? They were dead because they had been disconnected from the trees. In fact, some of them didn't even fall from the trees. They broke and they hung there. And after three or four days, you could look up in the tree and you could see the dead branches. There are still in our neighborhood several dead branches hanging in the trees that you can see because all of the leaves have wilted and withered and turned brown. Uh, that's a picture of what it means not to stay connected, right? When a branch of a tree or a plant or something stays, uh, becomes unconnected from the source of life, water, nutrients, it dies, and that is what Christ is saying. So the command is to go and bear witness of this. The model is Jesus says, stay connected with me. Now, how do we measure that? What's the metric? What's the measure by which we, we decide whether or not we're fulfilling this as Christians? John fifteen eight. it says this, By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, and so prove to me that you are my disciples. And that's why I put this on here today because this is kind of, this is where we're headed. How do we prove 
that we're disciples. Uh, there are a lot of ways Christians think we prove we're disciples or followers of Christ, right? Uh, a church attendance, uh, doing things that we think need to be done, following a list of, of, of orders, regulations, sacraments, whatever they are, just fulfilling a, a list of spiritual religious duties. Sometimes that's what Christians think it means to be a Christ follower. But Jesus is saying that his Father is glorified when we bear fruit, and that bearing fruit in our lives, that's what healthy things do. Healthy things grow and they bear fruit. We have a grapevine in our backyard uh, and we wait for it every spring to begin to blossom and bloom. Uh, the little flowers come out, they fall out, and then it makes grapes. And we don't pick them, the birds come and eat them, it's great. We, we love that plant, it, it's fruitful. It proves that it's a fruitful plant by bearing fruit. That's what he wants us to do in our lives. We as Christians prove we are Christ's disciples, followers of the Lord Jesus Christ when we bear fruit. Now, we're going to talk about that today because that's a weird statement. Um, you know, Jesus used a lot of, of agricultural terms because the people that he dealt with, uh, they raised animals and they farmed. And so he used agricultural terms that they would understand. He talks about sheep, doesn't he, right? He talks about sheep. He talks about goats. Uh, he talks about vines. He talks about uh, vineyards. He talks about trees. And he uses these as object lessons. Uh, one of my favorites is the parable of the, the sower where he spreads seeds. He talks about a farmer who's spreading seed. So he uses these terms. So he's using this agricultural term uh, in a way to help us understand what he's talking about. But I want you to understand this is not out of guilt that we talk about this today. Don't go away from here today feeling guilty. You're not supposed to feel guilty. You're supposed to feel emboldened, empowered. Um, maybe uh, you're doing this and, and that's great. Or maybe the Lord's saying to you, hey, you need to really get on this and head in this direction. Um, whatever he says to you today, <laughs> run with it. All right, so God wants to use you to produce spiritual fruit, you are not going to start growing grapes out of your arms. That's not what he's talking about. Produce fruit in keeping with the Spirit, not fruit in keeping with the grapevine. You've heard this phrase probably before. People will say, I've witnessed with my life, and that's exactly what God wants us to do is witness with our life, our actions, our attitudes, our mouths, our, our very being. But I want to take this one step further because I believe Jesus takes it one step further where he says, bear fruit uh, in John 15, 8, again, this, by this my Father is glorified that you bear fruit. So let's talk about two kinds of fruit. We're going to talk about two kinds of fruit today. We see the Holy Spirit empowers us to witness. And we're going to talk about uh, two, different, two different kinds of fruit here. But I want you to understand that you don't have to work this up. You don't have to go out of here today and like, you know, um, you ever seen the weightlifters and the bodybuilders, they go to the competitions and they might look kind of, you know, nicely toned when they walk in, but when they get there, they pump up and they get ready for the competition and they, you know, when they're ready, they've done some push-ups and some arm curls and they've done all kinds of stuff uh, and when they're ready to compete, they're like chiseled. That's not something I'm telling you, you've got to go out of here today. You don't have to go out of here and, and, and figure out a way to become spiritually chiseled. What I want you to understand is the Holy Spirit will do that in you and for you. Acts 1.8, uh, Rick read that for us today. It says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. This is Jesus talking to the 11 again. And he says, you'll receive power when the Spirit comes upon you. And when you receive the power of the Holy Spirit, 
Here's what you're going to do with it. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and all the earth. That's what the power of the Holy Spirit in us is for. One of the things the Holy Spirit does in us is empowers us to witness to the glory of God to the world. So a disciple will bear fruit, and he will bear it in the power of the Holy Spirit. So don't feel like you have to go out today and work this up. You will get to uh, do it in the power of the Spirit. So two kinds of fruit. I want to talk about that. Uh, the first kind of fruit is the, is the kind that we're going to talk about in our series in two weeks, the fruit of the Spirit. And some of you have probably heard uh, of the fruit of the Spirit before. Galatians 5, 22 and 23 uh, says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Just a hint, that's going to be our memory verse for that series so you can start now. He says, there's these nine things, and he says, against such things there is no law. The fruit of the Spirit is something that a person who is spiritual, connected in Christ, a Christ follower, will produce naturally. And so you can begin to ask yourself the question right now, uh, am I producing these things? Do I see love prevalent in my life? Do I react with joy? Uh, Am I kind? Uh, Do I exhibit a person who has self-control, or do I have lack of control? And so you can begin to think through these things uh, because these are fruit of the the Spirit. John, uh, in John, Jesus again uh, is teaching with the grapevine metaphor. And so let's, let's, let's run with that for a minute. Say you pick a bunch of grapes, maybe not the ones at the store, but ones that grow like at my house, uh, ones that grow out in the wild, and you start eating them, what do you find they have? Seeds, I heard somebody say it naturally occurring, non-modified <laughs> grapes have seeds. Are you surprised to hear that? Some of you who are younger, you're like, I just thought grapes didn't have seeds. No, they, they engineered the seeds out of those guys. They didn't come that way naturally. Grapes have seeds. So you're walking along, you're eating a bunch of grapes, you're spitting the seeds out. What's happening? Those seeds go down on the ground. Some of them, the way God created plants, is that they would take root and that they would grow and a new grapevine would grow, Right? Uh, if you ever tried to grow grapevines, it's, it's not easy. Uh, that's why grapes have lots of seeds. But hidden in each of the grapes are seeds. Uh, Christians were not meant merely to be sweet people, <laughs> but we were also meant to produce something. Now, the problem is some Christians are seedless grapes. You ever met a Christian that was a seedless grape? Anybody? <laughs> you probably have. Um, They talk about God, they read the Bible, uh, they exhibit some of the fruit of the Spirit, but when it comes to some of the other fruit, it's not there. It's it's missing, it's lacking, because they're, they're, they're seedless. And so Jesus is challenging us here, and of course in, in that day, they probably didn't have any idea what a seedless grape was, but for us today, he's challenging us to be Grapes with seeds, Christians with seeds, seeds of love, seeds of joy, peace, patience, kindness. Say, for example, you spoke kindly to a person. Uh, somebody was, was, was rude to you or dismissive or short with you, and you spoke kindly back to them. That is an example of, of sharing a fruit of the Spirit. That's, a, that's an example of bearing the fruit of love in a situation that was difficult and maybe you wanted to say something smart, something, uh, something snotty, maybe even something rude, something coarse. 
This is an opportunity for you to plant a seed because somebody might be watching and they're puzzled and they might even ask you, why did you respond that way? Anybody ever done that? You've done something, somebody says, why did you respond that way? And they would have been like, I would have ripped his head off. Why were you so nice? That's the opportunity to plant the seed. Often we don't take that opportunity though. We just say, oh, I just, I just felt like being nice. But that's an opportunity for us to point to God and say, well, I was kind, I was, I, was, I was nice, I showed love because of what Christ has done in me. Let me tell you about a time where Christ changed my life. When we take that opportunity uh, to, to, to tie together the spiritual fruit of love, joy, peace, and patience into the spiritual uh, activity of sharing with, with boldness, the gospel of Jesus Christ. This world desperately needs joy. Have you guys gotten on Facebook? I know I talk about this sometimes. You get on Facebook and you start reading. It is not full of joy and love and kindness, is it? And patience. If you get on the 411 and the Elmwood Park pages on Facebook, you ever read those? Uh, they're pretty rough with each other on there. A joyful person can bring change in the midst of chaos just by being joyful by being uh, the one that sticks out, <laughs> a little different. Uh, they're joyful, they're happy, they're kind. Uh, they say encouraging things. Peace is another fruit. Uh, we, we live right now uh, in, a, in an atmosphere and in a world that's chaotic, don't we? It's chaotic around us, and it doesn't feel peaceful. And we need peace. Well, we talked about that from the, the scripture that we're memorizing, that God will give us peace that passes all understanding to guard our minds and our hearts. Um, that will, by, by, by doing that, by trusting in that, and by following in that, that will, will build and grow peace in us that we can share with other people. And so I think if you're going to boil it all down, at least in this first category of, of spiritual fruit, the love, the joy, the peace, the patience, I want you to understand that a lot of times we think this Christian life is for me, and we've kind of been talking about this the last couple of weeks, right? The fruit of the Spirit is for everybody else. God doesn't make you loving for the fact that you are now a loving person, and you can say, I'm a loving person. God makes you loving for the neighbor that irritates you. God makes you loving for the boss. God makes you loving for the spouse. You spouses, you guys aren't enemies. We're not enemies. Although it might seem like it sometimes, from moment to moment. There might be opportunities, there might be moments where it seems like your spouse is against you and you're, you're button heads. But God forms love in you to love your spouse. God forms love in you to love your neighbor. He gives you joy and peace and kindness and patience and gentleness, uh, self-control. He gives you these things to benefit others around you, thereby proving you're his disciple. But there's another kind of fruit, isn't there? The fruit that produces a new follower of Jesus Christ. And so that's one of the things that Jesus is talking about when he, especially when he says this, prove yourselves to be my disciples, John 15, 8. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. Spiritual fruit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, but also new Christ followers. Now, again, remember, that's in the hands of the Holy Spirit. We're just obedient to live a life 
of fruitfulness, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and a life of being ready to speak when the time comes. Jesus called his disciples together, uh, Matthew 4, 19, we see that he said, uh, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. They were fishermen, they were out, they were fishing, or they were mending their nets, or they were in their boats, or they were getting ready, and Jesus was walking by and he said, hey, you guys, come follow me. You, you, you think you know how to fish? I'll teach you how to fish for men. You might be good at fishing for fish, but I'm going to teach you how to fish for people. And they dropped their nets and they followed him. And they went. This is the necessary outcome of a disciple of Christ because it proves that you're his disciple when your life not just is fruitful in spiritual things, but also fruitful in people coming to faith in Christ. A new follower of Christ is the outcome of a life devoted to Christ because the Holy Spirit empowers you, listen, to abide in Christ, to hear God through his word, to pray according to his will, to fellowship, the things we've been talking about in the last weeks. These are all building up to this moment for us to proclaim God's message of salvation. And this is really important. I'm not sharing with, this, with you about this today to guilt you. Uh, we don't talk about this as a way of saying, hey, we need to grow the church, right? We need to grow the church, so let's bring some new people in. That's not the reason. If our gospel sharing in this world never resulted in another person coming to church, but people came to faith in Christ, that would be obedience and that would be enough. I, for one, would be thrilled with that. Now, we know that gospel sharing will result in a church growing, but that is not the purpose we do it. But also, it's not to guilt you. Uh, like I said, I want you to go away today feeling guilty. I failed. I haven't done enough. I, I, I'm not a good enough. Um, that's Satan whispering in your ear. Because you are good enough. And you're filled, if you're a Christ follower, with the Spirit of God in you who empowers you to do so. But I do want to ask you a hard question today. Uh, and this can relate to both sides. Where's the fruit in your life? Think about it. Think about the last week that's, that's passed by. Where do you see the love, the joy, the peace, the patience? Where do you see the gospel conversations with people that are resulting in people at least being exposed to the message of Christ? and potentially accepting Christ as Lord and Savior. Um, are you good? All right, I'm gonna, have, uh, I'm gonna have Renee come up for a minute. He can grab this mic, and he's gonna talk for a second and share uh, about uh, something that happened with him in the last week. Yeah, this is good. You can even stand up here if you want to. Okay, all right, thanks, Renee. Well, I just started a job on Monday. So I'm a special person here. Um, she loves to get hugs, so I just say thank you, first of all. And then, well, there was a guy I just started working with, and we went out to eat, like, to go get lunch, and I offered him, a, like, I'll pay for the pizza. I didn't even know why. I just felt it, and I was like, okay. And then he sat down, and he just started talking. And then I started listening at first just to see what, what was going on, and he lost his mom and his dad at the same time, like, back to back. So I just sat there, and he said that his faith just, it just stopped. And then I just sat there, and I was like, okay, Lord, this got to be you. This can't be me. So you got to fill me up, and you got to give me the right words to say to him because I don't, I, don't do, I don't do nothing unless you tell me to. And all of a sudden, he just started talking, and then I go, you know what? God works in real weird ways. You don't got to understand them. You just got to obey them. So I was like, you, you think that, you know, you stopped going to church. 
the good thing is that God's right where you left him. He never moved. He's still in the same spot. So you got to come back to him where he's at. You moved. He didn't. And then for that time, it's like you ever had that thing where you sell somebody something and then you get smacked at the same time that he gets smacked? You're like, oh, I got to do it too then, you know? So it's like it was good for me because I know, and then the pastor just said something, you know, fishermen of men. That's what I know I'm called for. My ministry for, is clown. So I, when I go to mission works to do mission trips, I go as a clown. And I start off with kids, and I can talk to adults and everything. But the best thing about this is that he got, we both talked. That was the first day. The second day, he bought the pizza. I stood still. I didn't mention nothing else. He started talking about God. And then we were talking about it like, like nothing. You know, and he's like, I was watching videos. And, you know, I was just thanking God because, you know, once we think that we're stuck or we're not doing nothing because we're stuck in, in the house or whatever, once the, we get that chance to go outside and just throw that seed, we just throw the seed and we pray and let God do the rest. And he's doing it. His name is Adam. If you guys can keep him in prayer, you know, because we're all going through it. Everybody's going through something. And I think that God's going to use him in a great way because what he was telling, you know, I lost my father with cancer. And he was saying things to me where I still had stuff in me that I didn't quite understand. But then I took his words and I was like, all right, it's good. You know, so that was basically what I was going to say. And then the Friday, what I did was, since his mom passed away, you know, he hasn't, he has, he lives in his mother's house. He hasn't had a home-cooked meal, like, you know, like a real, like, a Puerto Rican food. So he's Puerto Rican. So, yeah, I'm saying Puerto Rican. The real food. Yeah, I know that stuff, yeah. The real food. <laughs> so I had my wife, I said, hey, can you make rice with gandules and some um, chicken? Um, I think it's stewed chicken. It's like potatoes. And so we took it. And I took it to him. Yeah. And just the part where we sat down and he just, I, I served him. I took it on a plate and put it to him. Just the part where he just sat down and he just smelt it, you know, like with that joy, like with something like home cooked meal, like from his mom. And, the tea, you know, like I just seen a tear come down. I'm a tear jerker. So I, I start crying for anything like Jeremiah. So I just looked and I was just thanking God because it's what he needed. It's not what I needed. I got fulfilled because I did something that God wanted me to do, but it was his time. And then he's watching now. He just texts. He was like, hey, what church you go to? I said, go stick to your church. If God wants you to move, you move. Stay right there. Start eat baby steps. Start watching through the Internet so you can sit there and keep going. So like what the pastor said, I use my stuff, like things that happened to me, to talk to him. And then I told him, I said, this is how he works. I talk to you about examples of me. So when you talk to somebody and it's your turn, you use your example. And that person will still keep on going, you know. So that's basically what I wanted to say or the pastor had me to say. But, I mean, that's the, you guys have a great morning. Thanks, Renee. You can put it there. Thank you, buddy. All right, so that's not – I didn't ask Renee to do that. You know, there's always a risk in having people share about stuff because uh, you might think, oh, well, we should praise Renee. Uh, he was obedient. To what the Lord told him to do, and for that we can say good job. That was excellent, and thank you for sharing with us. Um, but the point is, I'm not going to stand up here and say, "Be like Renee." Isn't Renee great? <laughs> we don't want Renee to get a big head, and Renee doesn't feel that way. Um, a couple of things he said that really stood out to me, and I just want to hit him real quick. He said he sat and listened. 
Uh, have you ever thought about listening as a form of, and I know this is a scary word, evangelism, right? That's a scary word. It's like evangelism is like sharing the, the gospel of Jesus Christ with somebody in order that they would hear it and respond to it. Now, there's going to be two responses, right? Sometimes people will say yes, sometimes people will say no. But did you ever think about listening as a form of, of evangelism, as a form of spreading the gospel? Uh, people just want to talk to somebody. People want to talk. People in this room want to talk. People in this town want to talk. You can almost always uh, find somebody who wants to talk whether it's at work, whether it's a neighbor. Uh, we go out of our house, our neighbors, all our neighbors always want to talk. People want to talk. They need somebody to listen to them. When you talk and when you listen, be, be aware and, and listening and watching for those God moments where you can share love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Uh, one of the other things he said is he served him. Have you ever thought about service as a form of evangelism, Right? as a form of, of spreading the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ, simply serving somebody else, doing uh, unto others as you would have them do unto you. You ever heard that somewhere, right? He's Puerto Rican. He loves Puerto Rican food. He meets a Puerto Rican guy who hasn't had a home-cooked Puerto Rican meal. And how long? How long did he not eat a, a home-cooked meal? So at least in seven months, no home-cooked meals. What a way to love and serve somebody by doing something like that. That's something that they miss. So keep those things in mind. It's not always what we think it is. Sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with another person isn't always grabbing them by the ear and sitting them down and whacking them with a Bible. In fact, it should never be that. Although that's the picture a lot of us have in our minds. And maybe some of us have that in our minds because that's how somebody tried with us. Anybody ever been uh, at, at the blunt end of well-meaning but, but, but rough evangelism? I, yeah. Don't be that guy. Don't be that gal. Love other people. Serve them. Listen to them. Spend time with them. And share your story. That was one of the other most important things, and that's some of the, the, that we repeat here regularly. When you have an opportunity to sit with somebody, tell them your story. Listen to their story and then say, hey, you know what? I'm, something happened to me once and, and, and it changed my life. And just tell them your testimony. I hope you know what your testimony is. You know, here's, how you, here's who you were in a very simple format. Here's who I was before Christ. Here's how I met him. Here's what I'm like now. Here's how he changed me. So who I was, how I met him, and who I am today. Really simple. Any of us who have come to the place in our lives where we've received Jesus Christ, we've asked him to save us, we've, we've repented from our sin, we've walked away from that, Jesus Christ has taken it from us, washed us, cleansed us, purified us of our sin, and placed his spirit within us, and now we're walking with him. Any of us who have, have made that journey have a story to tell of how that happened. And for every one of us, it's different. For some of us, it's grand and it's, it's amazing because we were, we were broken people who were, maybe we were drug addicts or we were alcoholics or we were saved out of these terrible things. We, we've all met people like that and you look at them and are like, wow, they have this amazing testimony. Um, some of us, like my wife, for instance, was saved as a young child in a church. She grew up in a, in a church where her father was a pastor uh, and and then she came to faith in Christ as a young child. And you might be tempted, if that's your story, to think, well, that's not much of a story to tell. But there's a story there, and that's her testimony. Every one of us have a story to tell about how we came to Christ. So, where is the fruit 
in my life. Listen to what the disciples uh, said in Acts 4, 18 through 20. I just want to give you some, some, some challenge here from the, from the, the Acts, uh, the book of Acts, and from the apostles themselves. Okay, so they had been uh, arrested for sharing their faith, and then they were called in. It says, so they called to them. The, the officials called them, and the officials of, of, of this particular place charged them not to speak or teach in the name of Jesus Christ. Can you imagine? It's like, you've been under arrest. We're going to let you go, but don't talk about Christ. Renee, sorry, you've been arrested for sharing your faith, but now we're going to let you go. Don't talk about Jesus anymore. Right? That's basically what he was saying. Don't talk about Anna. Don't, nope. We're going to let you go, but don't talk about Jesus anymore. Peter and John answered. Listen to what they said. Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. We cannot stop talking about Jesus Christ. You are basically saying to the, the government, the officials, you do what you have to do. Judge us based on whatever you're going to judge us on, but we cannot stay silent. Is that your faith? Do you have a faith that can't stay silent? Do you have a faith that can't stay silent? And you can believe, uh, or, or can you believe, in Acts 5, listen to what happened. 41 and 42, it says, They left the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. And every day, this is after they were told not to go and talk, every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that Jesus is the Christ. Right? Constantly. They did not stop. Day after day after day, they had been arrested, they had been beaten, they had been charged, don't speak. But they left there saying, judge us if you must, but we cannot stay silent. We cannot stay silent about the love relationship that we have with Christ. Now here's where the rubber really hits the road on this. Because bearing fruit's not optional, and proving ourselves to be my disciples is tied uh, intimately together with displaying both the fruit of the Spirit and the fruit of, of new believers. If those things aren't happening in your life, you need to take a good look at what's going on. If you are not exhibiting the fruit of the Spirit, if you are not, you don't know, I haven't talked to anybody about Christ, I don't know anybody that's ever came to faith in Christ from anything I've said, you have to start asking yourself, am I really a Christ follower? And that's where the rubber really hits the road this morning. That's where this gets, that's where this gets real. Because it's possible that some of us might be sitting here thinking, yeah, I'm a Christ follower. But you're going to leave here today and you're going to go get angry with your family. And you're going you're gonna to leave here today and you're going to stress out all day and you're going to worry and you're going to make yourself sick. You're going to leave here today uh, and you're going uh, to do something uh, rude or unkind or uncivilized. You're going to get behind the wheel and go drive in Chicago. Right? Anybody going to go drive in Chicago later today? Yeah. You better, be, better, better pray. Be on your game. Exhibit love and patience <laughs> and kindness and self-control. Just tape that up on the steering wheel. Tape that up on the dashboard, right? We think we are following Christ, but in reality, if we take a, 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 
an, an examination of our life and we take a, 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 a fearless inventory, we find out that, oh, maybe we're not showing love and, and we don't have peace. And I'm not very kind. And in the self-control department, forget it. Out of all of the, all, all the nine, you know, you know which one is the one for you. It may be more than one, one that you struggle with, one that, that, that's difficult for you. So take an inventory and ask the Lord, okay, Lord, what's going on? Am I, am I really yours? Am I really your follower? Am I really your disciple? Am I proving myself to be your disciple by the quality of my following you? Or maybe, it just maybe, you don't belong to him yet. And if that's the case, Jesus says, you can be mine. In fact, I died for you in order for you to be mine. What was broken in the garden when Adam and Eve were created and sit there and, and said, you can, you can have anything, you can do anything, you can eat anything except this one thing. Don't eat this one tree. Just this one thing, don't do it. And Adam and Eve had the decision, God's will or my own will? Am I going to be God or am I going to follow God? Adam and Eve decided, we're going to be God. I'm going to let anybody tell me what's good for me or what I can or can't do. And that started the cycle that broke the creation that God had made and God had to cast them out. And everything from that point forward to today leads to this moment. Jesus Christ has returned. He died. He was the perfect sacrifice. He went to the grave to carry your sin and my sin and the sin of all the world. He rose again and he was victorious over sin. He was victorious over death. And he did that in order to be the perfect sacrifice to bring you back, to right what was broken in creation, to put it back together. And so if you take that, that fearless examination and you, you, you come to the end and you're like, I don't know if I'm a follower of Christ or I know for sure I'm not and you want to be, Jesus Christ died for you, and he's calling to you today, now, in this moment, and he says, trust me as Lord and Savior. Stop trying to be Adam and Eve. Stop trying to be your own God. Stop trying to decide your own way and your own path. Instead, put that aside and, and ask for forgiveness. Say, in your own words and in your own place and in your own heart, say, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me of my sin. Forgive me of my selfishness, my willfulness, my desire to be my own God. Forgive me, Lord, of that. Scripture calls that repentance. The churches call that repentance. Another scary word, evangelism and repentance. Wow, we, we talked about both on the same day. Scary words. Repentance just means saying, I'm sorry. You're right. I agree with you, God, that what I did was wrong. It was sin. Forgive me. And having the, 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 the desire to follow him, to turn away from that past, however simple it was or however complicated however bad or not as bad <laughs> some of us have different backgrounds but being willing to say i'm going to turn away from that sin because all sin leads to death and say lord jesus christ save me scripture says if you call on the name of the lord jesus christ and you believe in your heart that god raised him from the dead you will be saved so if you're not sure today, you take that fearless inventory and you determine, I, I'm not his and I want to be. Call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe on the sacrifice of Christ on the cross. Accept him as Lord and Savior. Pray just simply in your words, Lord Jesus Christ, forgive me. I want to know you as my Lord and Savior. Please save me today. 
and he will. And he will take you from where you're at and he will point you in a new direction and he will become your savior. You will lead. Uh, he will lead, you'll follow. He'll say do and you'll say yes, sir. He'll say, go buy a guy a slice of pizza and you'll say right on. Tell him how you met me and you'll just start talking. Listen and you'll stop and you'll listen. He will lead and guide and direct your ways for his purposes and for his glory. All right? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, as we turn this moment to maybe some of us thinking about taking that fearless inventory. Lord, I pray that, that those who, who come up empty will have the courage to turn to you and say, Lord Jesus Christ, save me. And that new Christ followers will be born and will grow and will become fruit bearing Christians of love and joy and peace and patience, but not only the fruit of the Spirit, but also by sharing uh, in faith the testimony of how you found them so that others can find you. And Lord, I pray that you do that in all of us, uh, no matter if we've been following you for a short period of time or a long period, Lord, change our hearts, uh, adjust our thoughts and our attitudes, adjust our vision, help us to look up to you instead of looking to the things we're looking at, to take those moments where we can share a good, a good word, where we can share love, where we can serve another person, where we can speak kindness and exhibit patience. Lord, I pray that we'll have those opportunities, we'll take them, and that you'll be glorified in them for your purposes, for your glory, and for your will. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.